Welcome to another edition of Speaking Out America. I am your host. My name is Jim Watkins. I'm here to purvey the day's news and divulge it to you in a way that you can understand the impact that it has on your life and my life. And we do this every day, 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on CRNTalk.com. And then we uh, do it again at 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on CRN.com, CRNTalk.com. Big news today breaking, which will take about three days to filter out, but we want to give it to you first here. And this is courtesy of the Daily Wire. And it says that top foreign policy officials in both the Obama and Biden administrations were part of an Iranian influence operation aimed at bolstering the global pariah's image as it negotiated a nuclear deal with the United States, according to internal Iranian government emails obtained by an organization known as Semaphore. Now, we know that Iran find people. I I, uh, know Iranians. I've met incredibly passionate people. But their government is some sort of a strange theocracy they still are, I mean, you want to talk about an oppressive regime. It's like communism and religion mixed, or socialism and, and the, uh, theology mixed, and it conspires with an iron fist that is eternal. You know, in, 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 in a regular socialist society like China or the former Soviet Union, uh, they, they just killed you. In Iran, not only do you die, but you're, uh, according at least to them, going to suffer eternal damnation. Uh, Anyway, so that that just shows the severity to which they believe. Now, it might sound like a joke. Maybe it is. But the point is that they have no qualms about sponsoring terrorism, and they continue to do so. They have an ongoing feud with both uh, the Jewish people and as well as many other neighbors, Saudi Arabia. They are the extreme extreme. Uh, And throughout my life, uh, you know, and I'm a man of balance. I like to think that I am a fair person and I can look objectively. Not every country has to be like the United States. But when I see the level of which they're fueling rage, I mean, I think the Palestinians and the Israelis could have solved this issue, the issues that they have long ago. But you've got this force, uh, the Iranian mullahs, they, they want to be the seat of power for Islam in the world. And they believe they have some sort of divine right to be so. And, of course, you know, we as the United States, we like to, to sponsor peace. We like to bring people to the table. We want, well, at least the American people want peace to reign in the Middle East. It's, you know, we should be celebrating the fact that Saudi Arabia just last week, they have decided that they are willing to engage in the Israelis and form a peace plan, not unlike what uh, the previous administration was able to do with the Abraham Accords and continue that goodwill. Um, I'm of the mind that, historically speaking, that is the cradle of civilization. And until that cradle of civilization finally can resolve the issues, then we can't, as a world, proceed uh, to have ultimate peace and goodwill. So that's my position. So, but right now, uh, verify. What is it that Gorbachev used to say? Trust but verify. Well, you know, this administration and the the Obama administration seem to want to just verify. They they're more eager to say they've got a deal, 
but they don't. But they seem to give Iran more than they deserve. The Iranian government decided to build a network of influential overseas academics that would work to bolster the theocratic regime's image on the world stage, particularly surrounding its negotiation with the West over its nuclear programs. Members of that network, which came to be known as the Iran Experts Initiative, were in close contact with the Iranian, Iranians for, uh, and messaging their strategy, and they were also working in the top levels of the United States government. So they've infiltrated the top levels of the United States government by putting in their key players. And these are the people that are lobbying for the president to do whatever Iran and their theocracy wants. At least three individuals in the Iran Experts Initiative were working for Rob Malley, who was President Joe Biden's special envoy to Iran, until he was forced to step down after his security clearance was revoked. Two of Mali's top aides, Al Vaez and Adrian Tabatabi, were in regular contacts with Iranian officials behind the United States' back and appear to profess their loyalty to Iran. Now, Tabatabi, who currently works for the Pentagon, is in a position that requires a security clearance. And uh, the ability of Iran to place loyalists in the top echelons of the United States should be a scandal of a generation. We just handed over $6 billion, supposedly their money. If you ever notice the way that the the media reports it, their money. Uh, I mean, considering the amount of bloodshed they have caused in the world, why should they get any money at all? Uh, the death and destruction that continues in their name in order to create the kind of conditions that makes it impossible to have any kind of peace initiative in that region, they shouldn't get a, 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 a dime. Now, Morgan Ortegas, former State Department official, had this to say, this should be a scandal of a generation. The world's leading state sponsor of terrorism appears to have co-opted senior officials of the last two Democratic administrations with the purpose uh, and achieved goal of influencing our foreign policy. Now, Malley, he was the key guy that worked closely with Biden, uh, lost his security clearance over serious security concerns about his handling of sensitive uh, information, personal conduct, and use of classified networks. Now, the Biden administration, as you know, they handed over Iran $6 billion in exchange for wrongfully detained American prisoners, and we're glad that the prisoners are home. There's no dispute about that, but uh, what we've done is we've enabled Iran now to take that money. Now, the Iranians say, well, we'll only use it for goodwill, but, you know, good is, is subjective, isn't it? Their goodwill, perhaps, but not the world's. So this, again, comes by way of uh, the Daily Wire, and it's important to note it because, listen, you know, if you haven't figured it out, we're usually about two or three days ahead of everybody else. So what hap what has to happen now is that uh, D David Muir and the folks over at CBS and Lester Holt over there at MSNBC and uh, Rosie O'Donnell, I'm sorry, Ro what's her name, over at CBS, uh, they have to sort of figure out What's the best way to make the administration look good in this? Uh, 
know, the administration could come back and try to paint this as, well, we're just trying to ingratiate ourselves with the Iranians so we can make a good peace deal and limit their ability to create a nuclear weapon. That's all we're trying to do. And that's how they'll try to spin it. They won't, they won't, they won't showcase it as it being weak foreign policy. They'll, they'll repackage it and tell us that it was a smart move because now we, we have the exact opposite, right? What happened here? Did my thing just stop? Oh, okay. So that's just one snapshot of what's going on today. We do want to give our condolences to a great actor, David McCollum, who played Ducky on the Insight NCIS show. Has that show ever dropped out of syndication? I do believe that that show has been on more than any other show. It always seems to be on. Anyway, so David McCollum, I remember him from an excellent episode called The Sixth Finger. You remember that? It was from Outer Limits. Remember that TV show? It was sort of the predecessor to Star uh, Twilight Zone, but it was an hour long. And it was much scarier and much more th- cinematic. And they, they called from much like Twilight Zone. And it was just an incredible thing for a young kid. You, you get exposed to all these real deep scientific ideas and, and science fiction and, and evil versus good and all this stuff. Anyway, he played a guy who was sort of a simple man. And he also went on to be, I think, in Uncle. Remember the man from Uncle? I think that was David McCollum. But my favorite, of course, the sixth finger is that he uh, is working with a mad scientist who creates a machine that can increase the evolution of human beings. So he puts in David McCollum, a simple farm boy, puts him in this machine, and through the, the episode, he advances him up to and including like a million years in the future, and then he comes out of this machine with a large head, and he's got six fingers. And he's also got the ability to read minds and also move objects telekinetically. But it's too much for him. He can't handle it. And he becomes self-destructive. So they put him back in the machine and they revert him back to a normal guy. Pretty interesting episode. But uh, stuck out of my mind is probably one of the best science fiction shows uh, in a long time. Certainly in my lifetime. So he passed away at the age of 90 today. Uh, other news, it looks like the writer's strike... Uh, is over, or at least the, the fundamentals of it. They, they've agreed on some terms, all of those writers on, on Hollywood and Sunset and out in New York picketing, three, four months. I guess they got what they wanted. They wanted full disclosure. They also wanted residuals from video games for people that are portrayed in video games. Uh, and what else did they want? I think they wanted like a 40% raise. I mean, who gets a 40% raise? Not me. Anyway, you're listening to Speaking Out America. I am JR, and we will continue in just a moment. Stephen Williford will be joining us a little bit later. He is the guy that uh, is a hero in my book, saved a bunch of people in a mass shooting in 2017. And he's got a thing or two to talk about some of the new initiatives that are coming out. You're listening to Speaking Out America. I'm JR. I'll be right back. way there is a way you can email me now which is far easier to remember 
If you've got a comment on the program, email address is Jim, or what is it, jwatkins at crntalk.com. jwatkins at crntalk.com. There you go. Thank you. So uh, not, not to dovetail, but I guess I kind of have to. So I just told you that in Germany, uh, deaths have doubled, even some, some areas have tripled since everybody's been backed up. And then there's this from the Epic Times, and you know we have people from the Epic Times on. And I've said to you that Epic Times remains, to me at least, one of the most unbiased sources of information. Uh, I have met personally with the people who work for the establishment, and uh, to them it's about freedom. These are people, the CEO of Epic Times, Okay, so who cares if he's Falun Gong? I mean, I don't care if he's Christian, Falun Gong, Buddhist. I don't care. He's got a conscience, and he was booted out of China. He's a political refugee. If he went there today, they'd kill him. And he has teams of reporters that, that put their lives at risk reporting from inside the mainland China regime. So these guys are doing their job because they love it unlike our, our folks here in the media who are jockeying for position for the best gig. Anyway, so there's evidence now that cancers are occurring to in excess after people receive COVID vaccinations, according to Dr. Harvey Risch. Dr. Risch is Professor Emeritus of Epidemiology in the Department of Epidemiology and Public Health at the Yale School of Public Health and Yale School of Medicine. He knows whereof he speaks. His research has focused extensively on the causes of cancer as well as prevention and early diagnosis. He is the guest of American Thought Leaders, which you should check out on Epic Times TV channel. It's easy to find. Just go to The Epic Times. And if you're from Canada, it's The Epoch Times. Uh, anyway, Dr. Rich is the guest on American Thought Leaders. And he goes through very analytically that now it takes much longer, months, not weeks, to get an appointment. And that is dangerous when you're talking about you might have cancer and it's hard to get diagnosis. You have to wait longer. And this is because there is a difficulty in observing whether a vaccine can cause cancer because cancer usually takes time to develop, Dr. Rich said. It can take anywhere from two years to 30 years, depending on the types of of different kinds of cancer, from leukemia to colon cancer. He says, what, clini what clinicians have been seeing is very strange things. For example, 25-year-olds with colon cancer who don't have family histories of the disease. That's basically impossible along the known paradigm for how colon cancer works and other long latency cancers that they're seeing in very young people. He said, this is not how cancer, cancer normally develops. There's been some initiating stimulus to why this happens, he says. Dr. Rich says that in his opinion, cancer is something a healthy human body can fight and disable. As the non-normal cancerous cells are gobbled up when detected in a body with a functioning immune system. Now, how many times have I said on this program, your immune system is like an army? It's like the Ukrainian army, for example. And it continues to get help from the mothership uh, through red blood cells, nutritional intake, 
certain vitamins that you get naturally from the sun, for example. If the immune system, however, is compromised, according to Dr. Risch, it cannot cope with the task of neutralizing cancerous cells, and cancerous cells are left to multiply and grow, leading to symptoms of cancer. This is what Dr. Risch says. Head of epidemiology at Yale people. This is not, you know, they now discredited Dr. Robert Malone or the Children's Health Defense with Robert F. Kennedy that the left loves to jump on. This is from a respected epidemiologist who knows what he's talking about. And he's saying something is wrong here. What is wrong? What has turned off the immune systems of people? So it's worth examining. Go watch the article. Learn something and share it with people and see if they listen to you or maybe they'll just tell you you're anti-vaxxer and they'll shush you away. Get away from me, you dangerous person. Those ideas are very dangerous. Uh, anyway, uh, don't you think, kind of shifting attention here, because I, I do want to address it. So here we got this guy, Bob Menendez. And uh, and by the way, ABC News, they ran the story. This is how they do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burst ABC News' bubble right now. But you know, it's the number one, you know, so obviously they have a target on their back. But here's how they do it. So they start off with, such and such lead. Then they repeat the lead, and then when they hand it over to the reporter, he repeats the lead. So they say the same thing essentially three times before you even gotten the details of the story. And they insert certain words. So, for example, when they were describing Bob Menendez, formerly one-time loved member of the Democratic Party, who has now been chastised and shamed and will probably be canceled for some reason I'm not sure of, they, they mentioned the word defiant three times, twice from David Muir. He did it in his opening. He, he did it in his uh, repeat of the headlines. This is even before he went to Ginger Z and had her time out the most recent storm, which, by the way, if you want to know if it's a slow news day, if they start off at ABC with the weather, it means it's a slow news day. You're probably going to see many of the same packages that were just re-edited from the day before. So anyway, Bob Menendez has $500,000 stuffed in his jacket. Uh, He goes online after coming home from Egypt, and he looks up what the value of gold is. And this somehow is evidence that he has been receiving money from overseas countries to do their bidding. Sound like anybody else you know? Huh, think about that for a moment. So you have to ask yourself, why is Menendez being dragged through the coals on this? His wife, they're showing pictures of them at the Taj Mahal singing Broadway tunes. I mean, they had this packet, and it's because they think that he got money. Uh, They think that he does what probably everybody in Washington does. I mean, Adam Schiff, I told you yesterday, Adam Schiff was caught red-handed. at least five defense contract companies in his district, and California, that all gave generously to his campaign, and he gave generously to them earmarks totaling millions of dollars. So what's the difference between Adam Schiff and Bob Menendez? What, that he didn't put the cash in his coat? I mean, Bob Menendez is basically being charged with the same thing that Biden has been doing with his son, Hunter. Listen to this. 
actual evidence do you have as opposed to allegations to show to the American public that would merit an actual impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden and prove that today isn't just about political revenge? This isn't about political revenge. We have the bank accounts. Ma'am, you can see that the homes that the Bidens own can't be afforded on a congressional or Senate salary. You also understand that it's not normal for family members to receive millions of dollars from overseas interests. It's not normal to have 20 shell companies. These things are not normal, and it alludes to not only just widespread corruption, but money laundering, if not influence peddling itself. And we also have the vice president at the time on record saying that the prosecutor was fired. Well, son of a the prosecutor was fired, right? Because the prosecutor was going after the, the company that his son was working on. That's what we have. If you can't see that, if you are, if you are that blunt, look, I'll turn it over to the attorneys. People can't see that. They think it's political revenge. It's because you don't report on That's right. See, that is the point. The point that he makes at the very end. That's Scott Perry, by the way. Uh, and he is uh, a senator. And, and he, basically, if you had replaced Biden with the word Menendez, it would have been the same thing. Money coming in from overseas, doing favors, currying favors. I mean, isn't that what isn't that what Washington's all about? I mean, this stuff's been going on. We know it. We're not stupid. We see the homes that these people own on salaries that, you know, one hundred fifty thousand, one hundred seventy thousand, and you've got a three million dollar home. Hello. I mean, Nancy Pelosi passing bills and then going running over and placing huge buys or cutting her losses on stock companies that might be affected like by legislation. Yeah, they have rules, they have laws, but <laughs> well, now Bob to his credit says I haven't done anything wrong. I've been taking money out of my own account and I've been stuffing it in this jacket. And yeah, I looked up gold bars because I was thinking of of investing some of my money. I mean, other than the the the, the what I think is probably very thin evidence, what do they got on Bob? And why doesn't it apply to Biden? I mean, basically what they're saying about Bob, we have the evidence that Biden's been doing the same damn thing. Or it could be a distraction. You know, we, we kind of ran this quickly last week, but I want to run it again because it explains to us what the current leaders of our government are doing. They're setting all these fires. They're creating conflict. They're creating confusion. And that is straight out of the pages of the Hegelian dialectic. Listen to this. Basically, um, Hegel said, how do you take power away from people and concentrate it in the hands of the state? He came up with Hegelian dialectics. It's a triangle. One corner is a thesis, the opposite is an antithesis, and the top corner is a synthesis, right? Sounds complicated, but it's not. In other words, you start off with the status quo, you create a problem that's real bad, and everybody's happy to settle for your answer that's half as bad. And then you create another problem that's real bad, and everybody's happy to settle for your answer that's half as bad. Then you create another problem that's real bad, and everybody's happy to settle for your answer that's half as bad. And after every crisis, people give up a little more of their freedom into the hands of the state. And guess who was a student at the University of Berlin under Hegel? But Karl Marx. He was a member of the Young Hegelians. And so Marx says, how do you create a problem that's real bad? An antithesis. You send in agitators, agent provocateurs, community organizers, labor organizers. Their job is to find people with grievances, stir them up to riot. And when the country gets destabilized enough, they panic. And then you have an opportunity for a dictator to usurp power. Basically, um, Hegel said, how do you take power away from people and concentrate it in the... Yep, and that's our thought of the day. Critical thinking. It's your best friend. Jim Watkins speaking out. See you back here in 24 hours.